Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lafondra looking to get cold side of Vaughn. Lafondra away from Davis. 3 1 running. 3 points running. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Elm Park Royals preview podcast in association with the Reading Chronicle. I'm joined by Matt Joy. How are you doing, Matt? Yeah, all right, mate. Never a quiet week with, with Reading, but I'm not doing too bad. Hopefully, we've got all your end. I'm sorry, I just kicked the bin there. I don't know if you picked that up. Yeah, got it a little bit. It's fine. It's all good. Uh, yes, as you say, um, an interesting, an interesting week. Yeah, and what a week that's probably been coming for a number of years. I think it's it's fair to say um, that the years of you know completely irresponsible um, spending and a very short, you know, short term thinking in terms of transfer policy and and all sort of you know financial control has ultimately come back to to haunt Reading. I don't think we're going to be the last club this season uh, to, to face similar scrutiny from the footballing authorities. Uh, but yeah, certainly a, certainly a, um, a worrying week, it's, I think it's safe to say. But um, yeah, it's certainly a story that's not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, uh, so the reports are that Reading are due to be docked between six and nine points due to financial fair play breaches. Um as many people have pointed out, I feel like we've been breaking financial fair play for quite a while now. So it's strange that it's come at this point. But as you say, not a surprise. Um, do you know why it's negotiated? And like, the obviously, some people have an issue with that, because why do clubs get to choose their punishment? But do you have any insight there? Uh, I don't have any more than basically what's already out there. Um in terms of it not being fair, you know, you, you look at what's happened to Derby County and, and in turn Wickham Wanderers, you know, the, the money that they've lost as a result of being relegated last year. I completely understand the frustrations around there. I think it's all done on an, you know, an individual club basis. So the conversations are still ongoing with the EFL uh, and, you know, the higher ups at Reading, um, we spoke to Panovich yesterday, couldn't give much, well, if anything, in terms of updates. So I think it's, yeah, it's a case of it's all done on an individual basis that I think clubs, will, if you can you know prove that you're paying your staff, that you're doing it, you know, the right way, you're taking the steps to to limit, um, you know, further losses. I think that all comes into play. Um, I think, as you said, there's a, as we spoke to just before, there's a very good podcast from Kieran Maguire, that someone who probably knows a bit more about football finances than most people. Uh, us two included so uh, you know it's probably worth a, a listen to that just 
in, in terms of uh, getting all the details 100%. But yeah, I believe it's just a, an individual case, case by case basis. Um, but, you know, it, I think my issue with the whole the whole thing essentially boils down to, I, I completely understand why Reading have been, you know, put, put under this, uh, we'll put in this situation. I completely understand that it's Reading's fault and I'm not justifying the decisions made by people who've been at the club previously. However, um, and I know the EFL and the Premier League are different bodies, but, you know, you've got six teams who tried to destroy the very fabric of English football. And what have we seen since then? Well, we've seen Man United sign Sancho, Ronaldo, Varane. We've seen City break the English transfer record for Jack Grealish. And we've seen Chelsea bring in Romelu Lukaku, to name a few. So my issue, I think, or my frustration certainly is the complete lack of it just seems like clubs who are trying to do the best and then trying to get into out of the situations that people who have left the club have put them in are being punished so much more heavily than clubs who try to fundamentally change the face of English football. It just doesn't doesn't add up. And, you know, you have people like Gary Neville who are willing to slam United during the summer and he's gone very quiet about it since they've signed Cristiano Ronaldo and all, all of Jaden Sancho and stuff. So... I understand the anger, certainly, amongst Royal fans. Yeah, I mean, my one thing about that is is putting it down entirely on people that have left the club. Like, obviously, mm. I think even the accounts we're talking about are only accounts under Dai Yong and, and his ownership. So may, maybe in previous terms, that's why we haven't been hit by a... a, um, an, a well, we were hit by an embargo, but a points deduction mm. uh, before now, because obviously that would seem a bit unfair like so so many of the EFL rules like whilst they're set out quite nicely like the negotiated punishment type stuff there's a lot of open to interpretation which just makes it very hard as fans to like fully appreciate what's going on and I think that's again that's where some of the frustration is like yeah two two fairly similar teams could end up with different punishments because of that mm. and and who knows I, I mean I, I would like to say that I think I appreciate, I put a tweet out saying something similar to this. I appreciate that, you know, the club's probably hands are tied behind their back a little bit in terms of what they can say, given that the discussions are still ongoing. Um, but I think the club should have at least said something this week. I think they should have released a statement just clarifying the situation that they're, that they're in. They don't have to provide, you know, a definitive answer of when things were coming. But just, just you know, responding to the speculation, I think, would have been helpful because, you know... I'm not blaming the media team because they will be directed by people above them. So it's not, you know, the, the admin of the social media that needs to do that. Some people high up the club need to realise that you've got thousands of supporters who have been left in the dark a little bit and to not provide any form of updates on, you know, social media other than, you know, who remembers when we beat Borough back in 2006 and who wants to play our FIFA competition at a time when people are worrying for the very future of their club. That's not good enough. And I'm, I, you know, I'm, that's really frustrating me. And I, I wouldn't blame, as I said, that to be honest, the people that you know I, I know and at the club who run those channels, it's not their fault. It's the people whose faces that I've never met because they don't they don't reveal themselves. So they're the ones who need to take a look at themselves and realise that whoever's to blame for this situation, the fans are the ones who are facing the majority of the concern at the moment. And um, especially with what's happened to Derby County, and to just just completely not say anything, I think, is is really, really poor from the club. Well, I think it was quite telling when the news came out that Reading were under an embargo. We got that statement basically saying that Reading wished that the EFL had never published that and, and they don't want to talk about it. And 
that just seems to have continued since then. Yeah, and, and it seemed like, and I remember that statement, and it was a lot of it was, you know, addressing X and Y speculation. Well, an easy way you would have thought to stop the speculation earlier would be to clarify earlier. You can't sit there, say nothing, let, you know, tens of thousands of tweets flood in and all saying different things and then say, well, it's a bit unfair that you're all speculating about us because what do you expect? It's just that that, that bewildered me at the time. And if the, if the club were to do that again, I would yeah, feel similarly bewildered. Uh, one of the things that uh, I think sort of has been clarified a little bit in um, from Panovic's press conference yesterday is there was all this talk about Panovic um, being in like him him personally being involved in discussions with the AFL when it came to the embargo, and mm. it very much seems like that has wasn't isn't the case and has never been the case because as he said yesterday, he is kind of just a passenger with the rest of us. Yeah, and I, I feel incredibly sorry for him. You know, to take away what you think of his tactics. My word, has he had a tough hand. And the fact that he's, you know, still trying to front up as best as he can, I, I have a lot of respect for him for that because, yeah, as you said, he, he's not involved in that decision-making as he, we, we, I think there must have been sort of eight or nine questions in the press conference yesterday, which all related to the finances, but he made it very clear that, look, my, my, my focus is on, you know, the, the squad, the, the games ahead. And I thought one thing that he did say, which certainly rang true, was the best thing that we can do no matter what is happening, is to stay in the division. Because if Reading did get relegated next year, that you know the loss of TV money and everything else, I think that would be absolutely disastrous for the club. So he's bang on. You know, it, it, as much as I, it was frustrating that he didn't say a lot. I completely agree. It was quite, it was quite strange because I completely agreed with him not saying anything, but I really wanted him to say something. So it was kind of those, uh, I think he was right not to say anything. And it was yeah, very, very much cards close to his chest. But as you said, he's, he did say that you know, all of it's above him. And he says he's in dialogue with the owners. He's repeat, repeated that a few times. So you'll have to take his word for that. There's no proof either way, but I, I would trust it. So, yeah, it, it's as I said, it's those conversations are being had with people at the club that the press have never had an opportunity to speak to. And that's one of the most frustrating aspects about it. How uh, badly are we expecting a, whether it's six or nine points, uh, let's say nine, just because it sounds like that's the worst it could be. Mm. Um, how badly are we expecting that to actually affect Reading? I saw a tweet the other day saying that a nine-point deduction would only have relegated Reading in one of the last 10 seasons, which is mm. is positive. Yeah, and I think it, it, it may well galvanise. I certainly think it will galvanise the supporters uh, behind the team. I think it might strengthen the team's bond with each other. I think if it's, you know, the world is against us, let's sort of put our middle fingers up and fight back sort of thing. It's, I think it could it could end not being a blessing in disguise, but um, I think it will add fight to the team. I think it will add fight to the supporters. I think we will probably see a louder atmosphere uh, after any decisions made, if that makes sense. I think there'll be a lot more support. I think there'll be more support for Poundovic as well. So, I'm not saying it'll be a good thing, but as you said, I, I think it's nowhere near a guaranteed, you know, if, if this point deduction comes in, that's it. That's Reading season done for. We may as well not bother turning up. Um, and I think that Reading will have more than enough to stay up. Um, but, you know, it's, that, that will obviously be the only target for the season. Uh, should the point deduction come in, you can forget anything else, I would have thought. 
Yeah, I mean, let's hope that the owners see it that way as well. As as has been widely discussed, we really have no idea what they're thinking or what their plans are. But um, you would hope that under the circumstances, they would they would understand. And and if there is any silver lining to this, I believe it's that after a, after sanctions are taken, the embargo will be lifted and mm. and Reading kind of get a little bit of a reset so yeah i think there's there's one important thing to remember is that the current accounts that you know this is all based on were released in april or may last year um or this year sorry and they all they only uh, went up to april or may of 2020 so they that doesn't take into account the loss of revenue throughout the covid hit season you know behind closed doors all of that so without meaning to be too much of a, a you know a harbinger of misery um it might get worse before it gets better in terms of the, how the accounts look, how that will then play on to any further you know, uh, restraints down the line. To be honest, I'm not sure and I wouldn't like to say either way, but I think a lot of people have maybe under the illusion that this is all because of COVID. It's not, you know, this is only taking into all this, all this is being taken off accounts that only really ran for a couple of months after the pandemic began, you know, after that March of last year. So well, that's something to certainly keep an eye on. Um, like I said, I, I wouldn't like to misspeak and say how that might have implications further down the road because I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head, um, but it is worth considering as well. I believe there are some there's some leeway on losses due to COVID as well. Like yeah, I know, yeah. without trying to get too technical, I know that they've, they've allowed a fourth year into the accounts, which then should offset some of the COVID losses, although I actually think that might hamper reading because four years ago we're probably still overspending uh, things like that so um yeah um that's obviously only part of the week um some of the rest of the week wasn't much better with the news that tom holmes is now out for ages michael morrison picked up a knock at the back end of that fulham game which we haven't even mentioned fulham game was fun right that was yeah i mean i I wasn't there i must admit i was i was uh up in bedfordshire at a wedding which was lovely and uh I was. I must admit, we were, we were sat down doing the doing the speeches and whatever, and my my old man was self sitting and he kept on mouthing me a score update. So I was fully aware of what was going on, and we had a little celebration afterwards, which was very nice. But um, yeah, you know what a performance that was by all accounts. And Luke Southwood continues to impress. Josh Lawrence slipping back into defence by all accounts, you know, really good there. Oviajaria shows what he's got in his locker. And against the Fulham side, who, if they don't go up at the end of the year, I would be absolutely amazed because I think they've just... It's funny, you know, having all that parachute uh, parachute payment money, they've got a better squad than the most of the division. It's, it's strange how that works out. But, um, yeah, I think it was a, a fantastic result. And, from, you know, whatever you want to say about, you know, what's going off, off the field, I think the last week has been one of the best in... A while for Reading, which seems strange given the mood of the, on this podcast. But um, yeah, that, it, it's been really good. And you know, if, if uh, get another win tomorrow, it, it could well, it could look great for maybe an hour. Who knows? Because you, you don't know what's coming next. But um, yeah, no, fantastic result. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't come out without you know those costs, as you said, of, of Holmes and Morrison. Yeah. Um... I mean, I was in the away end, and I would just like to say it was a good day out. So you did, you did miss out. I mean, I know you it's wouldn't have been in the away end, but it was, it was a good time. Yeah, I must admit, I was I, I, when I did Fulham when we won on the New Year's Day last year. 
I was incredibly jealous of not being in the away end. So the fact that I was didn't have to watch it again uh, from the press box um, saved a bit of jealousy on my end, certainly. Um, but talking of those injuries, um, it sounds like we have no fit centre-backs for Saturday um, and, and that the Tom Holmes injury is actually a pretty bad one. Yeah, so... The, the latest on the, those three defend well, those two defenders and Scott Dan. So Morrison picked up uh, an injury. It was about two minutes before the final whistle, Panovic said. Uh, he sort of gritted his teeth, got through it at the end, but it might be a longer term one. They're still, with him and Holmes, they're still in the process of sort of, you know, going through the scans and working out exactly what's wrong. Or, you know, perhaps if you want to be maybe a bit of a conspiracy theorist, you might just want to say that Panovic didn't want to add for further bad news and give exact dates yesterday, but that would be me being, as I said, a conspiracy theorist and there's no evidence of that. But yeah, Holmes looks like he's going to be out for, uh, if, you know, I would have thought it's going to be months rather than weeks, uh, but he said apparently he's going to be back before Morrison at this point. There was no time for him given for either. And Scott Dan Panovic just said he'll play when he's fit to play in 90 minutes. So I I understand exactly the logic behind that, you know, of you don't want to rush someone in and get someone injured, but the longer it goes on, the more questions that are going to be asked of just how fit was he when he signed for the club. Uh, and Liam Moore is another one who hopefully isn't going to be back for too long, it looks like. I think Panovic said the next three games and then there's a, an international break coming up, I believe, next month. It's sort of going to be probably the first game after that, that break. I don't know the exact date of that, but it'll be around then. So, yeah, it could be... Uh, Josh Lawrence filling in and maybe Michael Stickland coming in, who I wouldn't be against. I thought uh, he, he's looked really good in the couple of uh, appearances I've seen him. He looks like a, a mature player for his age. So, yeah, it could be a, an interesting lineup tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, you never really expect, and, and nor should you, uh, five centre-back injuries. So, um, obviously, we sent Jerry Dorset on loan to Rochdale. Um, seems to be doing all right there, I think. But... Uh, what we wouldn't give for him back now. But as you say, Michael Stickland looked okay in the friendlies. He is still very young and um, it'll be interesting to see whether, yeah, how well he does in a, in a competitive fixture. Because obviously he's, he's ne- uh, well, he, he played in the League Cup um, against Swansea for a little bit. but And I think, I'm not sure whether it would be a good game to make his debut or not, because on the one hand, you've got a, an understanding Reading supporters thinking, right, you're partnered with a central midfielder. You're, you're maybe not going to put in an eight or nine out of ten. But then on the other side, you're thinking you're partnered with a centre midfielder. You might concede a couple of goals. So I think it depends how you look at it. But um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be, I would have thought it would be those two at this point. I think Dan, just based on, on like I said, reading, no, I didn't say, but you know, reading sort of body language and how Pano was talking I would be very surprised to see him tomorrow. But strange things have happened. I'm a bit worried about uh, someone like Uche Ikpiezu coming up against two makeshift centre-backs, but um, we'll, we'll see how that, that lands. Um, if only we'd kept in our academy. That's another one that Twitter can go bonkers about after the game. But um, let, let's briefly move on to one final thing, which is obviously Junior Hoyler played up top um, mm against Fulham. Are we expecting to see that? Because Panovic did actually touch on Puskas yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, and he, he he said that it wasn't he wasn't dropped. He just felt that that was tactically the best lineup for the game. Shows that Junior Hoylet can play in a couple of positions, shows his flexibility and you know his willingness to to fill a gap where needed. Um, and Pus, and as for Puskas, you know, Pano said his time will come. It's just about he was very, you know, full of praise for his sort of play in the final third, but maybe not 
you know, in front of goal, if that makes sense. He said that, you know, he needs that confidence just to finish off the moves because I think he's been doing, you know, obviously I wasn't at the Fulham game, but the few games before that, I thought he led the line really well. I think Reading were playing to his strengths a bit better and not trying to knock it to his head, but playing it to his feet or into the channels. And yeah, but Mpanovic was, you know, full of praise for that. But he, as you said, just needs to basically stick the ball in the back of the net. It's as simple as that. Unfortunately, maybe, you know, in practice it isn't because he would be doing it if it was. But um, yeah, it, it was, I, I think we will probably see Pushkas back tomorrow. I would have thought. Um, but I, also Panovic has probably got, again, one eye on, you can't have many more injuries because otherwise me or you might get a game at this rate. I'm not sure that I'd, I'd like that at this point. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to say, give me six months to build my fitness and I could maybe do a 10-minute cameo yeah. off the bench. I'm sure that, um, you know, it's uh, Clark and uh, Kelvin in the under under 23s, isn't it, up top? They'll, they'll be great. They're, they're gonna, yeah, no, very true, very true. They're going to destroy the league. Um, there's nothing like building up players before they're fully ready for it, is there? Um, I guess there's one last question to ask you, Matt. And um, this, well, this I think this is your penultimate podcast, so uh, yes. these, these predictions are really hotting up now. These are what you're going to be remembered by. Um, what is your score prediction for tomorrow? I think Reading will win, so but then again, I thought Reading would lose quite comfortably against Fulham. So, there we go. That shows that my predictions. Although they may be hotting up, are as unreliable as ever. I think Reading will win. I think um, there will be a fire in the bellies of the players, given what's been going off off the field, and given that you know they're starting to turn the corner. They got the fans behind them. I think you see some of the photos and the videos from the away end. There was that unity that I just think's been missing for a little bit. I think since the fans have returned, I've not I, you've not seen adoration like that and. I think maybe now the players will feel that they're fully supported. They'll put put on a show tomorrow, and I'm going to go for a two 0 win. Yeah, see, I went I I, I went two one um, on on the Borough podcast that I spoke to, and I think I'm going to stick with that. Um, yeah, I've just read this is the first clean sheet of the season you're going with. In yeah, this game. I think, the, and I'm basing that on the absolute... game. We have no central defenders. Is the yeah. game that you. Going to because, goals. because if I get it right, I'm going to look like an absolute genius. And if I get it wrong, I can just say, well, it was a hunch. So, yeah, you, you know, win-win. But no, I, I, I do have a genuine hunch that it could be tomorrow. And like I said, if it comes in, I, uh, I will take your apologies next week. Yeah, well, you will get them because I, <laughs> I would be amazed. But um, I haven't even mentioned the games on Sky. It's not a kickoff. It's going to be... Gonna be one of those, um, but who cares now? I mean, well, I mean, as, yeah. As I, do, always, I, must, I was gonna say just just one thing. I, I feel very sorry for the Middlesbrough fans. Why would you? I mean, they've not got many short away trips. Most of them are going to be, you know, a bit of a trek down the motorway. But why would you put this one on at twelve o'clock on a Saturday? It just the common sense of the people who run football it bewilders me. But anyway. <laughs> Apparently they're still bringing like fifteen hundred. So and yeah, and they've they've always had a you know, brilliant following at Medeski and I've, and they're a couple of Middlesbrough fans and they're top top blokes. So got a I like the club and you know I wish them a very safe journey home. Hopefully they have a thoroughly miserable ninety minutes, but I do uh, I do feel for them having to do it that early. We haven't even mentioned Neil Warnock. 
Neil Warnock hasn't come up once in this chat. Oh my god, Matt, we're going to have to expand these episodes. Well, obviously not with you. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, going to have to expand these episodes. The uh, as I keep saying that the match is almost a sideshow to the rest of the week um, and has been since preseason at this point. So yeah, yeah. Oh, well, on, on Warnock, I, I, I've met him a couple of times through this job, and he's one of the most charming blokes you could wish to meet. Whatever you think of him as a football manager, he is a top, top guy. And uh, I look forward to hopefully, hopefully it'll be an in-person press conference tomorrow as opposed to a Zoom one. And I'll get another chance to meet him. He is a legend of the game and the, the championship will be a, a worse place when he eventually retires. Are you going to get a signed photo from his bum bag? If, if honestly, if it becomes available, there, there will be a temptation. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would. Um, right, okay. Anyway. We're, we're dragging on here. Right. Um, yeah. Next up, after the break, I talked to Stephen from the 12th Man podcast um, about Middlesbrough. I'm here with Stephen from the 12th Man Borough podcast. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Um, how has Borough season been so far? <laughs> um, well, we had a chat about this the other night, didn't we, um, on, on our podcast podcast. Uh, we started well. Started really well. Obviously, you had that draw against Forest. Um, Forest, well, Fulham, good start. Um, got the home win against uh, Bristol City, and then yeah, one win since. Only had two wins all season. Knocked out the cup pretty early. Um, new signings look good, but apart from that, we just haven't. I don't think we've glued or gelled yet. So hopefully, the best is still to come. Yeah, I mean, obviously with. With Warnock, you kind of know what you're getting. And mm. many would say that he's kind of a proven championship manager. Um, have you seen signs of that? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Um, you've got the, you know, play the ball up, up top as quick as you can. Uh, try and be as tough to beat as possible. Um, run on the pitch and scrape the referee as many times as you can. Um, yeah, we've had everything from Warnock this season. Um, but... He's starting to divide a bit of opinion in between the fans now. So, but yeah, we've we've we definitely know we've got Neil Warnock in charge. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you sign Uche Piazza as well, who is uh, he was in our academy for a while, I think, and obviously mm. he has bounced around since then. But he is a unit, isn't he? he? He's he's a big man. He's um he's deceptively quick as well, like. I don't know what it is about him, mate. He knows how to keep the ball. Obviously, the size of him. I mean, he's huge. I mean, I mean, you've have you still got um, Michael Morrison? Um, he's quite a tall guy. He will he will match him no problem. He's I think he's six foot seven, tall and wide. He's he's absolutely huge, but he's quite nimble on the ball as well. He knows how to keep the ball nicely. He knows how to spread play. So yeah, but he's as soon as you got him, you knew that was a Warlock sign straight away. Yeah, I mean, we would have Michael Morrison, except for the fact that he's one of, I think we've got five <laughs> centre-back injuries, as I was mm. saying the other day. So yeah. he, he won't be playing, which might be a blessing in disguise in some ways, because uh, he hasn't been great against um, big men so far. Um, mm. Where would you say that you're strongest on the pitch? I'd probably say our attacking options now, um, especially the players we've brought in. Um, obviously, we've got Uche that's come in. Um, we just brought in Andres Barra from uh, Sporting Lisbon on loan, uh, Onel Hernandez on the wing um, from Norwich. Um, Isaiah Jones has come through um, really well this season after a loan spell last year. Um, obviously, Matt, uh, Tavernier's still with us. Yeah, we've got a lot of options up top now, and it's, it's just finding that right formula to put them all together. And um, 
and yeah, and make it click and make it work. Because that is a bit of a change from last season, isn't it? When you had kind of Duncan Watmore up top and then um, completely forgotten that your other striker's name, who is leaving at the end of the year, whatever happened, and uh, Somber Longa, sorry. Mm. And um, so you've you've replenished there. But have you like defensively? Obviously, you you've been conceding a few goals. What what's happened there? Surely that's Neil Warnock's bread and butter. Well, it's we haven't got it's the fullbacks that are the problem at the moment. Obviously, you know we're struggling at right back at the moment. Dyke Steele's out injured. Fisher's out for the season completely. Had a freak accident in pre-season. Uh, left back we let Coulson go out on loan. Uh, Bowlers. Got problems from a tweet he sent when he was 14 or something like that. And it's, you know, we, we've got all sorts of issues wing backs, and obviously, that's getting the ball into the box. And yeah, Hall and Fry haven't quite clicked as of yet this season, but they've got the potential to do so. And Lumley's got a couple of mistakes in him as well. So it hasn't quite worked at the back yet, but it's it's coming. It, there's a signs there, it just hasn't quite, hasn't quite figured itself out yet. Yeah, I mean, where, where do you expect to finish this season given? You know how you started and and where you expect this team to go. Um, I think I think there's a fan base who are all pretty um, unanimous in saying that if we don't get playoffs, we've failed this year. The the, the options we've got, um, I'd, I'd even be as bold to say our attacking lineup is is up there with the strongest in the championship. I know you've got the likes of Fulham and Bournemouth and maybe even West Bromwich Albion that have got stronger uh, front lineups, but if you look at ours. You know, we, we've just brought in Champions League quality of a striker on loan. You know, he's 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 got. I mean, you'll you'll hopefully you'll see on Saturday he's got something about him. And yeah, it's, if we don't get playoffs, it really is a failure this year for us. I hope we don't see it on Saturday. With with all due <laughs> respect to you, um, so yeah, I mean, what what who else should we be looking out for in this in this Middlesbrough team? So you you've mentioned. Um, Spira, um the the low knee. Um, mm. Who else? Who else is there? Uh, well, we've got uh, say so we've got Onel Hernandez who's coming from Norwich. He's he's obviously off the mark now. He got his goal at Forest. Um, Marcus Tavernier, if he wants to turn up, he's got the um, potential as well. Um, then you look in the midfield. We we just brought in James Lee Saliki from um, Stadbrenner as well on loan. He's got a he's got a pass in him as well. So. He's got that bit of control in midfield. Obviously, then you've got the likes of Johnny Housen, who's you know Mr. Reliable, um, the Championship's James Milner. Um, you know we've got him, Isaiah Jones. Uh, if he starts, yeah, you've got one of your wing backs is in for a, a really tough game because he's he's absolutely lightning quick and he's he's brilliant. He's had a, he's had a really good start of the season. Oh, that that never fills me with confidence. I mean, we were talking on your podcast about. Um, set pieces and and the one thing that I've held on to from that chat is that you're not very good at them. Is is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we scored for one on Saturday. Um, it was quite a well planned out set piece. Um, you know, play this corner shot, play the ball at the back post, and then swung it back across. But yeah, nine times out of ten, we don't miss the first man. And you know, we've got all the height in the world when you bring up. If Uche is playing, then you've got Dale Fry comes up from the back. He's he's about six foot four. Grant Hall's the same. You know, it's just yeah, we're not the greatest. And obviously, you've still got Paddy McNair to come back in as well. Um, so you know, there's there's another bit of height to come in. But yeah, if we miss that first man, we've got a chance. But nine times out of ten, we don't. Yeah, as I say that. Although to be fair, I'm not sure we've really had first men 
um, in in our defensive setup before now. So you you might be all right. Um, we I th- we really have been conceding like a goal a game from set pieces. So it's, it's not very good from our point of view. Um, wow. Yeah, but let's not get started on it. I'll be here all, all evening. Um, how long do you think that Warnock will get to to kick this team into gear with what you've been saying, like the fact that like you should be in and around the playoffs and obviously you haven't started like that. And um, no. his, his football can be a bit depressing to watch at times. Like, do you think he'll get time to turn it around or, or do you think he'll move on quite quickly um, if, if results don't improve? Things have changed uh, for us in the background. Um, we've now got a head of football in charge. We've just brought in Kieran Scott from Norwich. Um, he's going to head up all the footballing aspects of the club from recruitment to obviously managing Neil Warnock. So it's not really up to the chairman anymore. Um, our chairman's quite patient in, in with his managers. You know, he can keep them for a little bit longer than he should have. I mean, we look at the likes of Tony Pulis. Uh, Aitor Karanka survived way longer than he should have in the Premier League. Um, but October's the month that if we do make a change early, that's the month we do it. You know, we did it with... Uh, we did it with Tony Mowbray. We did it with Gareth Southgate. Um, Gordon Strachan uh, resigned in, in the October as well. I still think he's got a little bit of time left, but he's lost half the fan base already. And the amount of people that were leaving early on Saturday, it's not going to look good for gate receipts if you're seeing you know, the pain public leaving so early because they're not going to tend to come back uh, while he's in charge. So it may be the fact that them fans are going to decide his face, but I'd still give him a little bit of time yet. You, you mentioned that you've um, brought in a director of football from Middlesbrough. Like, do you think that what he wants to do lines up with what Warnock's trying to do, or do you think that they're going to butt heads a bit? Um, I think I think if you look at the list of signings we've made, you can tell who's made which signing. Um, like you've got the likes of Uche, uh, Joe Lumley, Lee Peltier, and then you look on the other side, James Lee Saliki, Martin Payero. Uh, Andres Sparar, it's obvious which one's picks which one. You know, I can't see, I can't see uh, Neil Warnock sat there going, "Well, that kid from Portugal looks good," or "That kid from Argentina looks pretty good." So it's obvious that there's a plan. Because let's face it, Warnock's coming towards the end. You know, of his of his tenure as a football manager. I know he, he seems to go on as, as longer than Father Time himself, but. It is coming towards the end. And I think we're planning for the future. And I think it's going to be a case of, um, yeah, uh, we're buying players in that will support us in years to come. So it could clash. But by the sounds of what they're saying, they're getting on so far. I think Neil Warnock says every job is his last job in football. So maybe this one is is really his last one. Um, Yeah, coming to the game on on Saturday itself... um, how do you expect Middlesbrough to set up? Will they sit behind the ball? Um, I'm kind of saying this already, knowing how a Warnock team plays when they come to Medeski, but let, let's go through it anyway. Um, will they sit behind the ball and, and look to break quickly? Will they try and keep possession? Like, what what style will you play? Uh, we've got to be tense at home. We start really quick. I mean, if you if you look at home, we we're one of the best uh, first half teams in the league, but away from home. We don't start quick. Um, we've won one game away from home all season. Fair enough, that was at Forest. You know, you know, most teams are going to go to Forest this year and maybe get a win because they're not the greatest team I've watched. You know, maybe they'll improve under the new manager. I don't know, but um, 
I think we'll start on the front foot. Um, but I think it's going to be more of a chess game first 20 minutes. Let's see how you's plan out as well. How we're going to, if you know, if you're going to really push us, then we've got the capabilities of counter attacking. But I expect us to really press on to you, and th- that's where we, we're strongest for me. Um, a bit of pressing game, and I think forcing you into a couple of mistakes, and then let's say we'll pounce from there. Yeah, I think, um, whilst uh, Velko Panovic has been manager of Reading, we've started games really slowly, so there's definitely a way to you know, get in there quickly. I think Bristol City kind of did it against us. They grabbed two quick goals and were yeah. able to sit back for most of the game. And then they grabbed a third one and that just killed it off completely in the second half. So it's, it's definitely not a bad tactic. Um, how many fans do you think are going to travel down? Because I don't want to... I, I know you're not, but uh, yeah. is there going to be a good good showing from Middlesbrough because um, it's I on TV? I think there's about 1,500 travelling down, so there's still still a decent contingent that are going to be hitting um, Berkshire on Saturday lunchtime. So, yeah, we all, I think the thing about us, um, we're always miles away from anyone. You know, if anybody sees Middlesbrough away, they'll go, oh, God, you know, that's a, that's a trek. And to give us Redding away on a half 12 on a Saturday is brutal. But, yeah, there's about 1,500 coming down. And it's gonna, they're gonna make, they'll make some noise. They always do. Yeah, riffraff in it, you know. No, exactly. I'm, I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean they've moved one of our Saturday games to eight p.m. So I think uh, is twelve thirty better than eight. I think it might be, but it's hard to know, I, really, isn't it? I think I think we prefer eight o'clock. To be honest, you know, it means we get a lie-in. Yeah, well, that's true. That is, yeah, it's either you you leave early or you get back late, isn't it? It depends. Yeah, I guess trains back probably are quite difficult when when it's uh, finishing at ten p.m. on a Saturday, but. If you don't yeah. mind going out in the town, then, then that's fine, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, there's a few fans getting the train at six o'clock on um, Saturday morning, so you know that's that shows the uh, the pain we're having to go through. But you know, fans are going to do it. You know, we'll always do it. Yeah, as they say, football is nothing without fans, and and we should make it as difficult for them with all these weird kickoffs as, as <laughs> humanly possible. But yeah, yeah so um, I've only really got one question left, and that's uh, what's your score prediction going to be? 3-0 Borough. 3-0. 3-0. I think we'll um I think we'll hit his hit his early, control the game, and then we'll um we'll score just before half time and then we'll finish the game off in the second half. I really do fancy us on Saturday. I'm really sorry, but I really do. No, I mean the debate in the Reading fan base um currently is is who even is gonna start at centre back because as I as I say, like we have none. So there is definitely a scenario on Saturday where we just go completely to pieces and, and can't pick it up again. I think I said 2-1 when we were on your podcast, and uh, mm. I'll stick with that. Like we, We've improved since we've signed some players, um, although now some of them are out injured, so maybe maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll go back downhill. Um, yeah, Stephen, thank you very much for, for joining us. I, I think I'm hoping it'll be a good game. I mean... Mm. It sometimes historically when we used to be on Sky, we used to draw nil nil every game. But I think recently we've been a bit better because the cameras were with us like every other week last season. So maybe we've got over that. Um, I, it sounds like you don't need luck for for Saturday. So I'll wish you luck for the rest of the season at, at the very least. And you, thank you very much. See you, mate.